0: We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelles. I'm Dan.
1: Hi, Dan. I'm Lindsay. Hello, Lindsay. Hello, good sir.
0: Bringing the December scares today. Uh, before we get into them, couple announcements. I have one. Lindsay Luhu has one. I do. Uh, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Oh,
1: you could start. Okay.
0: A uh, fun new merch in the store now at badmagicmerch.com. Not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse, but the undead were walking to and fro, slamming doors and stomping up and down stairs all over the house.
1: Oh, that's nice. Uh-huh. That sounds really traditional.
0: Horror holiday season creeps and papers. Mm-hmm. Brand new vintage inspired Skella holiday tea. <laughs> and Daybreak sweatshirt out now. And then the daybreak sweatshirt—it gives off a real kind of zombie undead vibe. Uh, this is how you might look after surviving a holiday party that has turned into a zombie invasion.
1: Okay, so basically like a holiday with your family.
0: Mm, my family, or specifically, does anyone's just family. anybody's just, family, just family? Oh, no, I was trying to think. I'm like, does my family give off zombie vibes?
1: Well, they're a little sleepy.
0: They are a little sleepy. Yeah. Too much, too much heat in the house, and too oh much God. turkey.
1: Yeah, and then it's a lot of like. Uh, <laughs> Not a lot of moving around. Right. So, <laughs> okay. It's kind of accurate.
0: And then you have some uh, December charity information that uh, you are going to share about the Giving Tree.
1: I do. I do. So if you've been following along, you know that last month we announced the Bad Magic Giving Tree for the third year in a row. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, I just realized that my cord is choking me.
0: Oh, just oh let it, just,
1: okay. It'll,
0: it'll add a nice level of excitement to the show. Like, what
1: is happening around my neck?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, yes. So, you know, we were reaching out and letting everybody know that we were doing it again this year. And we had committed the $16,000 Patreon donation Mm -hmm, amount mm -hmm. that, you know, Every month we donate to a different charity. And so that was going to the Bad Magic Giving Tree. And then we volunteered to match dollar for dollar fan donations. This was based on a previous year's experience. And we offer dollar for dollar up to $15,000. And so where we're at, at this point, uh, by the time you hear this, the vast majority of families will have been shopped for. Uh, If you submitted your family, um, you know, we've already talked with you about the families that we could help. We had 411 families ask for help which is a significant increase from last year.
0: Yeah, about three times as much, right?
1: About three times as much. And uh, we were able to help 69 families, which equates to 176 kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in that 69 families, we actually, a cool thing happened. We just weren't making a lot of progress. We had started out with only about $7,400 worth of fan donations. and then we Which
0: just... is a lot, but compared to last year, there was just a quicker outpouring.
1: Yeah, it's just different. I mean, I think the... What happened in 2020, we all thought it was going to end quickly, Mm -hmm. and then it dragged on and on, and then it affected people in a more significant way. Mm -hmm. So we just saw a decrease in in donations and an increase in needs, which is a reflection of where we're at as a country.
0: Economically, absolutely. Yep.
1: Yep. But after talking about it a lot on the shows and saying like, hey, like we're kind of struggling and, you Mm -hmm. know, we're here's where the numbers are at. We ended up getting some really amazing last minute donations. And so now we're able to help 77 families instead of 69. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And so we took a little jump forward and we collected an additional $5,700. Oh, wow. $3,000 of which came from one anonymous fan, which is so Crazy. crazy. And then we had another fan with another grand and a couple fans with 500 But the truth of the matter with the donations, like what I love about it is, yes, I'm so grateful for those people who can make those big impacts Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. it changed what we could do. But I find it so fascinating that the vast majority of the donations are $10, $25. And when we come together, I just think it's so beautiful what we can do because $50 is not enough to give a family a better Christmas. But when we come together Mm -hmm. and we pool our resources, we can do so much. And I just, I love that about Bad Magic. I love that about the community that we've built. And I'm just so proud that you guys trust us to do Mm -hmm. this and that you give us the opportunity to to bring a better holiday to, you know, 176 kits.
0: Bad magicians equal good people.
1: Yeah. Yeah, our community is pretty badass. Pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, I'm proud of you guys. Thank you.
0: And, and a quick note before we jump into stories. I just thought of this. Uh, YouTube viewers, yes, you're going to get this episode a little bit late. And Ooh, the reason is that's right. we were suspended because Joe and I are naughty boys on Is We Dumb? And scared to death got brought into the mix because we're all, all the shows are on the same YouTube channel.
1: I want my own channel.
0: <laughs> I know. We think we have figured out what the problem is. Joe's been looking into it. So hopefully uh, the Google overl- overlords... Overlords, that word was way harder to say than I thought it was going to be. We have a little mouth. True. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) They uh, will not punish us further. We're trying to be good.
1: Well, we'll see what happens.
0: So we'll see what happens. I'm nervous. But whenever whenever, uh, you can't watch the show, I mean, uh, you can also uh listen to it and actually the Annabells the ones uh, and Roberts who get the video versions those go through Vimeo I believe
1: no that's only the
0: bonus episodes just the bonus episodes oh no we'll, we'll figure it out we'll figure it out if it becomes a problem we will figure out a way to keep the video going
1: e- well we'll certainly two. try our best
0: yes exactly you exactly sh- yeah they should get it on Vimeo the early release on Fridays gives them access to the video so on if they Vimeo? are pi- yeah if they're picture yeah, on subscribers I thought.
1: So Ew, I they thought, will get it yeah I thought that was just nice for the bonus episodes. No.
0: and then eventually yeah we will put them up so uh, yeah. the YouTube page will have like ten videos that go up in one day. It'll be
1: super fun. It'll be like <laughs> we'll an, up. It'll be like an onslaught, like a big Christmas present. <laughs> like look what look what you got. And speaking of Christmas, look at these awesome Christmas socks.
0: Ooh, nice. I don't know if you can
1: read them, but they say Holly Jolly. Oh, jolly, wait, my feet. Holly. Uh-huh.
0: I can't. This is riveting. Not there we
1: go. Uh, Holly jolly. <laughs> right. Perfect.
0: Uh, I have three stories today. Oh, mm-hmm. well,
1: look at and, you. And
0: actually, really, I have five stories. Whoa, whoa, because whoa. Because the third is a collection of three stories.
1: Oh, how okay. about you? Well, I have two, just making sure that I'm saying that accurately. Yep, I have two, but I have a really fat. Set of stories today. Oh, so it's going to be a nice, juicy episode.
0: Uh, my first tale is a look at South Korea's supposedly very haunted Jeju Island. Nice and creepy modern encounter story to go along with some scary history. Then we'll head to Australia to meet the infamous Letta the doll, one of the world's Mm. most infamous haunted dolls. Lead? Letta? Oh, Letta the doll. Yeah, L E T T A.
1: I heard Lead of the Doll.
0: Lead of the Doll.
1: (laughs) I was like, I don't, okay.
0: Uh, And, um, yeah, one of the world's most famous haunted dolls. Been thinking about telling that story since scared to death started. So looking forward to finally telling it today. Okay. And then last, we'll head to three places, Mexico, England, and California, to hear tales of three different disturbing mirror-related stories.
1: Ugh, okay. Well, let's so, let's dive into it.
0: Yeah, a little bit of time for you to settle in as I set up this first one.
1: Okay, sounds good.
0: Jeju Island. The largest of Korea's over 3,000 islands, known for white beaches, waterfalls, volcanic landscapes, and lush forests. Roughly 700 square miles in size, with around 700,000 people living on it, it's a beautiful island paradise about 60 miles off the southern coast of South Korea, often called either the Hawaii of Korea or Honeymoon Island due to its overwhelming natural beauty. Actually declared one of the global seven wonders of nature in 2011. But it has quite the dark side. In 1948-1949, just before the outbreak of the Korean War, which would begin in 1950, the Korean government was very concerned about a possible communist insurgency on the island. So they sent in troops to deal with it, brutally. Anywhere between 14,000 and 60,000 mostly unarmed citizens were butchered, including many women and children. Entire villages were massacred by government forces. Many of Jeju's scenic caves and favorite hiking spots popular today with tourists and newlyweds were once refuges, all, often too, uh, or all too often places of death for the island's former residents. Even the Jeju International Airport has scars from this tragedy. Just beside the airport's main runway, a mass grave was found in 2008 that contained 388 bodies. Reported ghost sightings of the Jeju uprising's victims are now common. They're often seen in a lot of the island's abandoned buildings, reminders of darker times. Many today are afraid to demolish these structures for fear of disturbing whatever angry, possibly vengeful spirits might still linger inside. There's an abandoned movie set, hotel, even an abandoned circus on the island, all left completely untouched. And then there are the beaches. So many beaches. Beaches that, paranormally, seem to be the opposite of abandoned. They're allegedly infested. The waters that surround the island are where many, many Mulgwishan supposedly roam, The Mugwishan are vengeful spirits who suffered violent or tragic deaths at sea, often by drowning. The Mugwishan are lonely in the afterlife and said to pull unsuspecting swimmers or divers down to the depths of the sea so that they may have a companion again. The infamous Sewell disaster may have added significantly to the island's Mugwishan population. In April of 2014, a large ferry capsized and sunk en route to Jeju Island, 299 people on board drowned. 250 of them were all students of the same high school.
1: Oh my God.
0: Such a horrific tragedy. How many spirits were added to the island's already crowded ranks? The following is a tale of an encounter with one of the many spirits of Jeju Island, allegedly written by a young woman working as an English teacher in South Korea who took a vacation to Jeju Island. Time now for the tale of Saved by the Dead. During the month of April, I decided to use my school spring break to get some much-needed alone time. I was feeling burned out, and rather than visit family like I usually did, I decided instead to take a solo trip and stay in a nice hotel, a place with room service and a pool. I decided to pamper myself a bit. The island was insanely busy, as it usually is in the spring, but even though I'd waited until the last minute, I was able to make a reservation at a hotel just on the outskirts of Jeju City. Not too far from the airport, but not directly in a noisy part of the city either. Perfect. The hotel was located in the woods. It felt nice to see so many trees after spending months in the concrete jungle of Seoul. It felt nice to, uh, it felt less nice to see my hotel. Paying my fare and stepping out of the cab when I looked up at where I'd be staying, I was reminded of the Overlook Hotel from the movie The Shining. It looked so dark and intimidating. Even less comforting was the guy working at the front desk. When I entered the lobby, I could instantly feel the hotel clerk handling check-ins staring at me. I could feel his eyes burning a hole into me as he finished my transaction without speaking a word, and he handed me the keys to room 104. I snatched them out of his hands, hurried off into my room, very glad not to be looking at him again. Once inside my room, all was well. To my great relief, the room was fantastic. My room looked recently updated. Very nice and modern, lots of outlets, new flat-screen TV, more importantly, some great soaps and lotions, and enough that I'd be taking some home with me. The bed was very comfortable, and the sheets were so soft. And after working earlier earlier in the day and taking an early evening flight, I was ready to get some solid rest. I unpacked quickly, ate the chocolate left on my pillow, washed up, and not long, afterwards, I was laying my he- not long after laying my head on the pillow, I was asleep. And then less than an hour later... I was very much awake again. Just a few minutes after midnight, I was woken by the sounds of a woman screaming for help. I jolted up to a seated position, hoping I'd just been dreaming. But the screams continued. And then I realized they seemed to be coming from my bathroom. I was absolutely horrified. I, had, I also had to see what was happening. Whoever she was, she sounded utterly terrified, like she was being attacked. I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I ran away and then found out later I could have helped her somehow. I slipped off my blanket, put my feet on the floor as I realized that the bathroom light was on, even though I distinctly remembered turning it off before I went to bed. I cautiously creeped over to the bathroom and peeked my head around the corner, and I froze when I saw the creepy man from the front desk seemingly trying to drown some young woman in the bathtub. After thinking for a moment that I had to have been dreaming this couldn't be happening, I crept back towards my bed to grab the phone and quickly call the police after quietly telling an officer what was happening and how they had to hurry I set the phone down on the nightstand careful not to hang it up and then I noticed that the bathroom light was now off and the woman, I could no longer hear her oh god, I thought, did he kill her? he must have killed her, is he coming for me? I knew I should run from the room screaming for help myself but I was paralyzed with fear I sat on the bed like a statue waiting for the police to arrive it was so quiet in the bathroom now the light's still off I started to wonder if I'd actually seen what I thought I saw. While I sat in a daze and wondered, someone quietly, so quietly, knocked on my door. Oh, God. The hair on the back of my neck immediately stood up. The police wouldn't knock like that, especially while also not saying anything. I attempted to get up to answer the door to at least find out who was there, but my body still wouldn't move. And then suddenly I heard the sound of someone sliding a key in and back out of the key slot. Oh shit. Followed by the click of the door unlocking. Someone was letting himself into my room. I tried to think of a hiding place, but I was too late and quickly a shadowy man rushed into my room and I felt a pair of hands grab me and push me down onto the bed as the door shut behind him. It was the man from the front desk. How? I had just seen him in the bathroom. I felt dizzy. I now tried to scream, but he put his hand over my mouth and with his other hand, other hand he was trying to choke me. For a moment I was sure I was going to die, but then as I struggled with the man, I saw a pair of ethereal arms, translucent ghostly arms, grab him from behind, pull him off of me and throw him to the ground. As I gasped for breath and began to roll over to the other side of the bed to stand up and run for the door, I recognized the specter now standing in front of me, looking at me with the saddest eyes. The woman from the bathroom. The woman being drowned. And then she vanished as police now pounded on the door. I screamed as I managed to pull the door handle hard enough to let him in or let them in before the man from the front desk could stop me. Three officers poured through the door and one of them tackled the man while the other two placed cuffs on him within seconds. I was taken downstairs by one of the officers to other officers arriving outside while they searched the room. I soon found out they located hidden cameras in my room and in other locations around the hotel. Cameras he'd been using to spy on the guests.
1: Oh my god!
0: And he was a person of interest in another murder, or I'm sorry, in a murder of a young woman. After an officer took down my statement, another officer helped me find a new hotel for the night. A big hotel, full of guests, in the middle of the city. And after what I'd been through, having so many people around seemed very comforting. I chose to stay there for the rest of my trip. To return home felt like letting him win. When I left the hotel that night in a police car, I looked back at the window of my room and saw just for a moment the ghost of the woman who saved my life in the window of one of the rooms. Two days later in the paper, I read about the guy who tried to kill me and there was a picture of a missing woman believed to be a woman he killed. It was without a doubt the woman who saved me. They found her body out in the woods, not far from the hotel weeks later. Many say that Jeju Island is crawling with ghosts, and I believe them. But not all of them are to be feared. That night, I was reminded that the living are often far more terrifying than the dead.
1: Yee. Okay. Mm-hmm. How many times have you been in a hotel room? Yeah. And you've wondered if there's cameras hidden in your room.
0: <laughs> I have. Uh, I don't know that I've thought that actually particular thing before. You have?
1: Seriously, never. I don't know if it's because like there was a string of in like my teen years there was a string of. Hidden video cameras in dressing rooms, in mm-hmm. girls' dressing rooms. Oh. I became infinitely nervous. That was in Cleveland?
0: Or just, or just right, or somewhere in the. Uh, I don't know. The, you heard about it. Just
1: I don't remember where. Mm-hmm. Might have been in Cleveland. Might have been. I don't know where. Might have huh. just been something I heard I do on the I remember hearing about that. Yeah. But it was like a thing. Like they would um two way mirrors.
0: Oh. And so you'd be like
1: in there naked or like, you know, whatever, Almost change naked, your clothes. Yeah. And yeah a weird, creepy.
0: You think about that with hotels sometimes. I'm surprised. I, I do. I wonder. I wonder how often that has happened. Hidden uh, cameras. Well, in, in, in rooms. Yeah. Don't look.
1: Rooms. Don't look. It's the same reason that I try not to look up too often. The last time that hotel had bed bugs, because oh, it freaks me out. Yeah. 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 Oh, that is so. Creepy, And also a reminder that when you lock your door from the inside. Oh, put the bolt over. But the Yes, there's usually two locks. A lot of mm-hmm. times if you turn the handle up, yeah. it's like an added lock or there's that extra deadbolt. And then there's the latch.
0: Oh, yeah. Either like mm-hmm. a chain
1: or a bar. Yeah,
0: sometimes I forget to put that up. Yeah.
1: Never. I would never forget to do that.
0: Uh, well, good reminder, like
1: you said. Uh, I have some pictures. Okay, God. I thought he was going to be a ghost as well. Oh. I thought when the cops showed up. Mm-hmm. It was all going to be a figment of her imagination. I didn't yeah. think it was going to be part reality and yeah. part other well, reality. Yeah,
0: because I liked it. Whatever happened in the bathroom clearly was like a flashback type thing. So that him wasn't the physical him. He was outside of the room when yeah, she was seeing him yeah, in the
1: bathroom. Yeah. What a weird combination. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about bouncing in and out like that. Yeah. Interesting.
0: Uh, this first picture is a photo of just a, a bluff on Jeju Island. Very Holy popular crap. photo spot. Yeah, this island is so beautiful. And it's the so geog-
1: beautiful, but are we ever going to go there? Yeek.
0: <laughs> the geography is so diverse. I would love to go here. It, it really is like it reminds me of Hawaii in certain ways. I get the comparison. But it's just so haunted. Yeah. But it's also very beautiful. You <laughs> uh, could just go to Hawaii. But there's so many different like... Uh, Types of foliage on that. There's like pine trees, actually, so random. I wasn't even to bring this up. I didn't write it in my notes, but like uh, Christmas trees. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't heavily research this, but a couple of articles I looked at said that the American Christmas tree tradition, like the kind of trees we tend to use, mm-hmm. and I can't remember what type of uh, pine it is, come from this island. Douglas fir? No, it's a different, it, it's like the the perfect, like very, lots of branches, very thick little Christmas tree, mm. kind of shorter Christmas tree, but they, um, Blue they spruce? grow, they grow tons of them now, but they grow tons of them over on this island. And, uh, I was like, oh my God, that is like the perfect quintessential Christmas. And I guess like GIs returning from like the Korean war started kind of bringing these back and I don't know, but it's, oh. this island has like Christmas tree, uh little forest looking thing. And then like other, um, uh, what is it? Deciduous like forest but it has like it feels like a good place to film movies Mm -hmm. because there's so many different landscapes on one island got it okay so another picture just a photo of nature so pretty
1: so pretty that's
0: Jeju City uh, down there below and then one more just uh, you know part of another different type of forest those big crazy uh, pines I don't know what's going on with uh, their needles on those certain pines
1: that's so weird that they only grow at the top (laughs)
0: Yeah. So that's, and that's not the little Christmas tree ones. I don't know what's exactly going on there. Obviously. And then this next one, not as nice. This is a mass grave being uncovered at the airport back in 2008. And mass graves have been, you know, uh, uncovered all over the island. And then this is uh, the only picture I could find of that abandoned circus. I wish I could find an outside exterior shot, but there is this, like, yeah, like crazy circus that has just been completely abandoned. And that's like the, uh, I guess, auditorium or arena. Whatever you whatever you want to call it, where they would sit and watch the performers.
1: Huh. I wonder if it was a circus the way that we think of a circus, like with not a animals, traveling circus. Oh, yeah. Or if it just like if that translates to auditorium because that doesn't mm. look like
0: auditorium. Maybe. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I just wonder. Yeah. If it's the same. I don't but know. Still. Hmm. I wish. Yes. Find me the outside.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just could not find a picture of that. Uh, do you have any? That poor girl. I know. I can't believe
1: she stayed on the island. I would GTFO right away. Go back home? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I just want my own bed, security and comfort of my own house. And like, It'd be
0: weird to stay at a hotel after that.
1: Well, yeah. And then, like, I don't know. I guess I would be afraid that that guy was somehow going to escape from police custody. And, and track then,
0: you down? I don't know, maybe. It's extreme. Yeah. Is it? Yeah.
1: It's extreme that he put cameras in my room.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't think he was going after her, though. It's whoever no, happened to stay I, there.
1: But now it is her. Yeah. I mean
0: I bet, I bet uh, he just like saw who was checking in and then he's like oh I'm going to put you in the special room if it was like a girl he, he was attracted to oh
1: yeah if she fit his profile type
0: mm-hmm. I'm sure some rooms had you know th- the elaborate camera setup.
1: Bleh. I guess for the rest of her life she's not staying in hotels I, I,
0: have, d- la- I have a lot of hidden cameras in our room you do mm, and I have a secret control room in, the, in a basement you don't know about
1: oh that's so cool
0: mm, sometimes go down there and just watch the monitors see whatever yeah. he's doing what
1: do I do Oh! 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 They're all over the house. About,
0: I can't talk about it on this show. You all said the they were just in our.
1: You said they were just in our room, but they're all over the house. There's other
0: ones all around the house. Mm-hmm. But I, I, there's the most cameras in our room, uh-huh. and, I, and it's not okay for me to talk about what you do when I'm watching.
1: Okay, sounds like fun.
0: <laughs> I know, I, I,
1: that, I think I'm having a great. I, time I know there's kids listen to the show, and it just it's it's a lot. It's so, a lot. So what you're saying is I'm having fun. Mm-hmm. Good for me. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, let's head further south in the Pacific now to meet a supposedly very haunted doll. Oh, yeah. No setup. The, We're just going to jump. lead sit. doll. Le- lead the doll.
1: What is it? Letty?
0: Letta. L E T T A. Oh, Letta. hmm. We're going to jump. L- I bet it's Lita. Nope, it's not. And you'll see why it's Letta.
1: Leda. Oh, Lita.
0: Oh, look, trying to work a little boss gags reference. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Time now for the tale of Letta. In 1972, when Carrie Walton was in his early 20s, He'd returned to his family home in Wagga Wagga, a city in New South Wales, Australia, it's a real city's name, along with many relatives to attend a funeral. It was a sad occasion to be sure, but he was happy to be reunited with his brother who he'd not seen nearly often enough the past several years, and the two of them quickly got to talking about their childhoods. Their reminiscing eventually led to them recalling an old local house, one not far from their family home, one abandoned for many years, said to be haunted. It scared them as kids a house Carrie had always especially been terrified of as a child. His brother suggested they go see if the old house was still there and explore it to put Carrie's fears to rest, or to at least watch Carrie get scared all over again. If nothing else, it'd be fun to lighten things up and act like kids again. Never one to back down from a challenge, especially not from his brother, Carrie agreed and they set off that night to go explore the building. No more than an hour later, the two men found themselves just outside the old dilapidated structure. Finding an entrance leading into the cellar, Carey shone a flashlight around, watching the dust whirl in the gloomy room in front of him as he prepared to step inside. His brother moved ahead of him and soon was running up some stairs into the main part of the house, stairs that creaked terribly when he stepped on them. Carey was afraid those stairs would fall through if he put any more strain upon them, so he decided to stay and explore the cellar. Navigating his way around large wooden beams and various piles of mess and rubble that had built up over many, many years, He was about to go look for his brother when his flashlight hit a pair of eyes, staring back at him from a far corner, and he almost jumped out of his skin. His heart now feeling like it was going to beat through his chest, he shone his light over and made out a figure in the darkness, about the size of a small child, maybe three or four years old. His stomach sank as he suddenly wondered, did he just stumble across a dead body? He forced himself to walk towards the corner. If it was the body of a child, he couldn't very well just ignore it. When he neared the corner, he realized it was a doll. A grotesque-looking marionette-style doll with terribly realistic piercing eyes. Shouting to his brother that he'd found something, Carrie picked the doll up. He knew immediately he'd be taking it home. He wasn't sure why, but he knew he couldn't leave it there. The thing horrified him, and looking into its eyes filled him with dread. There was also something inside of him that felt really drawn to it. Moments later, his brother was walking into the cellar, telling him he hadn't found a single ghost... And then he saw the doll and froze. It clearly bothered his brother. And the way he looked at it suggested he may have seen it do something. But he never said what that was. He asked what Carrie was doing with it. Carrie explained he found it and was taking it. And for a moment, it seemed his brother was going to protest. But then he was ready to go. And they walked out of the cellar. As soon as they exited the building, a raging storm hit. seemed to come out of nowhere. And then the brothers ran straight to their childhood home. The next day, Carrie took the doll back home with him to his house in Warwick, Queensland, a home he shared with his two small children. The first night he got home, he took the doll out of a bag he'd put it in to travel with it and found it a seat in the children's room. And later that night, both his children woke up screaming. When Carrie went in to see what all the noise was about, both children insisted the doll had been talking (sighs) and moving its head. Carrie took the doll and put it back in the bag and now placed it in a storage cupboard. But that would not put an end to any strange happenings. It would be just the beginning. On a variety of different nights over the next few months, Carrie and his children would be disturbed in the middle of the night by what sounded like footsteps. And not the footsteps of mice or rats. Heavy, human-like footsteps, like someone walking the halls of the house. Over and over the following mornings, Carrie would wake up to find footprints and tiny little scuff marks over his walls and floors. And on some occasions, he would wake from a dream, hearing a young boy's voice screaming. Screaming what sounded like, in a thick accent, Let me out." The first and second time this happened, Carrie had shot out of bed thinking a real living child was in distress, searching the house and grounds frantically each time he found nothing. But the second time, after over an hour of searching, he tripped over the bag containing the strange marionette doll on his way back to bed. A bag that had somehow moved from the storage cupboard to the upstairs landing. Soon after all this, Carey found himself in some financial difficulty, his pottery business not doing very well, and he suddenly advertised the doll for sale, thinking some collector might pay a decent amount for this strange antique. Almost immediately, a woman did offer four hundred dollars for the doll. Curry wasted no time picking it up, carrying it to the car, and driving him to uh, getting ready to drive him to this new home. As he walked across the driveway, another heavy rain started to pour as if from nowhere. It had been sunny and clear all day. Now, feeling a little strange, Carrie carried the doll the rest of the way to his vehicle, started it up, and started driving. On the journey, Carrie's strange feeling worsened. He suddenly felt like turning around and heading back home. When he arrived at the buyer's house, Carrie exited the driver's seat and went to open the back passenger door where the doll was sat. He put his arms around the doll and lifted, and he claims the doll wouldn't move. It was as if some invisible force was pulling the doll down as he was trying to lift it up. He stopped. He suddenly had no interest in selling it anymore. Yes, he needed the money, but he felt like the doll was somehow more important than money. The doll obviously did not want to be sold, and Carrie did not want to sell it. He didn't want to sell him. He never did, really. Instead of heading straight home, however, Carrie and the doll now traveled to Queensland, uh, to a Queensland museum. He decided that if he were going to keep the doll, he should try and find out more about it. The nails in the doll's shoes led to the curator at the museum placing the doll's age at approximately 200 years old. He also determined that the doll had been handcrafted in Eastern Europe and was made almost entirely of wood except for its glass eyes and human hair. Once home, armed with this new information and a new name for the doll, he now was calling the doll Letta as he thought the name sounded European and because of the screams it sounded like Letta Me Out. Carry found a permanent space for Letta in his living room, and the very next morning his luck began to change. For the good. He awoke to enough orders for his pottery business to begin to get his family out of the financial slump they'd been in, and the whole house seemed to have a happier, more uplifting feel to it. Knowing in his heart Letta was somehow responsible for all this, Carry began contacting psychics in order to get some kind of grasp of what was going on with this mysterious doll. All the psychics he saw gave him a version of the same story. The doll had been made for a young boy by his father, who had handcrafted the doll in the likeness of his son. The boy suffered a tragic death by drowning, and his spirit then attached itself to the doll. And this drowning is the reason why whenever the doll is outside, it often will rain. One psychic told him that the doll, though not a malevolent entity, did possess some sort of curse. Once the doll had chosen his owner, in this case Carrie, the owner would have good luck and prosperity, until he parted with the doll. If Kerry ever parted with Letta, his luck would change drastically for the worse, and he would also suffer a violent death. Fortunately, Kerry had no plans to part with Letta. He soon began to appear on TV shows in Australia and at public gatherings with Letta. He wanted to show the public just how unique his doll was. He wanted others to experience something paranormal with the doll as well, to reinforce his belief that the doll was indeed possessed. Since he began showing it, many people have had curious reactions to the doll. A large number have said that upon looking at it, they were immediately overcome with a feeling of dread and a deep sadness. Some people who touched the doll have instantaneously started to weep uncontrollably. A couple have fainted. Dogs seem to universally hate the doll, and either whine, shake, or snarl and bark when near it. Letta has been witnessed moving on its own by so many people since Carrie brought it home in 1972, from small movements of its hands or a turn of its head to even claims by some of seeing it fully walking on its own. Carrie still lives happily with Letta, somewhat. Loves his doll, though he claims sometimes he does have a hard time getting a full night's sleep around it. But he'll never part with it, not even if the doll does scare him from time to time. He's too worried about the possibility of financial ruin and, of course about the warning of a violent death.
1: But what's going to happen when Carrie dies?
0: I guess maybe the doll has to find a new owner attached to someone else.
1: Oh, what if it attaches to his kids, Carrie's kids?
0: Well, I guess they got to keep it.
1: Ugh. That's a terrible heirloom.
0: This is a creepy-looking doll. Oh, boy. Yeah. Okay. Here's here's first... Oh,
1: boy. I don't like that. Man. And that was built in his son's likeness? Man, what a fucking ugly kid he had. (laughs)
0: Well, maybe, you know, he didn't quite capture it perfectly.
1: He looks like an angry old man.
0: Here's, here's another. It's a
1: giant nose.
0: Here's another, another picture <laughs> oh, oh,
1: my God. That thing is so ugly and so uncomfortable.
0: <laughs> Very creepy looking. It
1: is so creepy. I hope it can't hear me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> One more picture of let in a rocking chair. I don't know why a rocking chair makes it look even more creepy.
1: I like his hands on his hips. Now it just kind of looks like a weird leprechaun.
0: Yeah, it does have a little leprechaun vibe.
1: It just looks so angry.
0: Like uh, maybe the, because the, of the eyebrows, brow, yeah, the, the, the brow, big yeah. nose,
1: <laughs> the big eyes. It Does not look like a child. It looks like a man's head on a small body, but very creepy. <laughs>
0: right. Like
1: don't don't buy me that.
0: You don't want that. You don't want a replica.
1: Yeah, no, thank you. I think
0: I, think I saw some replicas on the on the web.
1: No, oh, probably. Letta the doll. Mm-hmm. Letta me out. That's I know
0: th- it's kind of goofy.
1: That's pretty. No one says "let me out."
0: Let me out. I I think it was because of the accent is what he heard. I know that part. It was hard to read without laughing. Seriously, yeah. Yes, that yeah. part. And actually, that that part is the reason I kind of like hemmed and hawed on this story for so long.
1: Let me out.
0: Because yeah, because there's some great elements, but also some just like it sounds a little corny. Like <laughs> I just don't know. Like if I would be that scared, if I, if if I woke up and I heard like "let me out," I'd be like, oh my god. I'm terrified. But if, if I woke up and heard,
1: let me out! Let me out! I'd be <laughs> like, come on. Come on, get little here. guy. Get here, little goofball. Run, let run him me out! Run. Let me out! Right, it sounds like a little Mario character. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, When he was... Here when, we go! You gotta let me out! Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. When Carrie was at the house with his brother, yeah. and he shines the flashlight, and he sees two eyes, that was the scariest yes. part of the story for me.
0: Mm, for the, sure. The, the meeting of the doll.
1: Uh-huh, uh-huh. Because then I thought, Well, okay, if you're searching an abandoned house and you see two eyes, do you want it to be A, a doll, or B, a dead body?
0: Uh, doll. Dead body. You'd rather have a dead body? What's wrong with you?
1: Because then I know it is for certain what it, like, I know for certain what it is. Then I can call the cops, the authorities Mm. can take it away, yada, yada, yada. They can investigate, whatever. Doll, doll, look at what happened to Carrie. He is stuck with this. For life, this mm-hmm. thing is not necessarily.
0: What if a dead body turns his head?
1: Well, that's I, that's not an option I considered. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, dead bodies do move sometimes.
0: What if What if it was a doll, but it had the Mario voice? So it's less trendy. What if, <laughs> it like, had like, a made... little
1: string you pull. <laughs>
0: what if you What if you just made eye contact, and then and the doll was like,
1: "How are you doing?" <laughs> and I guess it's... that's
0: more Mickey Mouse.
1: Hey, how's it going over there? Uh,
0: that's, then, that's not as scary. And then does
1: he say, "Let me out"? <laughs> oh man, could he let me out? I'm tired of being in this basement.
0: Right? That wouldn't be too scary. Now
1: you're Woody the doll.
0: <laughs> now it's a little bit Woody.
1: Hey, everybody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just think I would rather have it be a dead body. Mm, okay. It's just Fionite. The doll, who knows why is the doll there? Why is it the last remaining thing in this abandoned mm-hmm. house? Why didn't somebody else take it previously? Is the doll possessed? What could yeah. it do to me? Like, it just has too many variables.
0: Sorry. I, I like, I was, uh, with was yes, a letter go ahead. I'm going to
1: pick up the thing I dropped.
0: And then the, uh, the Fionite. Um, you threw it through a little extra syllable in there.
1: He has a finite How do you say it?
0: Finite. Just fi- finite.
1: I think it's like a colloquial thing because we've talked about this before mm. with, um, uh, normality, no, normalcy and it's, mm. uh,
0: normalcy or normalcy. Yeah. And it's normalcy is correct. It's
1: normalcy. But my family says normalcy and everyone, like when I yeah. talk to people in the Midwest, it's normalcy. And so, so is finite.
0: There is so many of those things with so many different words. Well, you mm-hmm. know, the big one. Uh, Appalachian, Appalachian. Uh
1: huh. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, there are so many different. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Oh boy. Right now, I can already feel the audience raging. It's not Appalachian.
0: <laughs> uh, well, we're not going to Appalachia or Appalachia.
1: Okay, where are we going, my friend?
0: Uh, we're gonna we're gonna go talk about mirrors. Oh, fudge. Before I share three quick little hitters, uh, it's time for our sponsor break. What is the most basic gift you have ever given the moms in your life for Mother's Day? Flowers, a candle, some random knickknack you picked up at the last minute because you completely spaced Mother's Day?
1: I have definitely made the mistake of procrastinating gifts for Mother's Day. And then, like the Friday before, I run to whatever store is open and convince myself that, yes, yes, my mom does need another coffee mug that declares she's the (laughs) world's best. So lame.
0: This year, how about one upping yourself by giving the moms in your life an Aura picture frame? Named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to any mom at any age. Aura Frames connect easily to Wi-Fi and have unlimited storage so you can share as many pictures as you want.
1: This year, as many of you know, I am on a spending freeze. But one of my carve-outs was meaningful gifts for the people I love. I don't want to give all of the moms in our lives something that won't bring them joy. We are giving Aura Frames to the moms in our world because they are timeless, heartwarming gifts.
0: Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code SCARED at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply.
1: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp.
0: Visit BetterHelp.com slash Scared to Death today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P Scared to Death.
1: Summer is just around the corner. Who's excited? I know I am. With the warmer, sunnier days calling your name, the last place you're going to want to be is in your kitchen, cooking, and meal prepping. Make your life easier with Factors' No Prep, No Mess Meals.
0: Factors never-frozen, always-fresh meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Think of all the extra time you will get outside in the summer sun when you aren't wasting hours in the kitchen.
1: I think I speak for everyone when I say that the summer is the busiest time of the year. We are all trying to cram in as many things as possible, from concerts to vacations and everything in between. With Kyler home from college and Monroe on her break too, I want to spend as much time as possible with them. And while I truly love to cook, this summer is the one time of year that I'm the least interested in doing that for three meals a day. So I lean on Factor to help keep me healthy and in step with my diet. I'm obsessed with the honey yogurt pancakes for breakfast, the pork El Pastor for lunch, and the cilantro lime barramundi for dinner. So easy and saves me so much time.
0: Head to factormeals.com slash scaredtodeath50 and use code scaredtodeath50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code SCAREDTODEATH50 at factormeals.com slash SCAREDTODEATH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Thanks for listening to our sponsored deals, creeps and peepers, and I meant to say quick hitters. I don't know why I said little hitters.
1: (laughs) Sounds like like a
0: little league team. (laughs) Oh
1: boy, my mind is in a lot of different places.
0: (laughs) Tiny bit of setup before we dive into these. Uh, where's your mind? Oh.
1: <laughs> well, I wasn't thinking of literally, I was thinking of something else entirely, but now it's like a weird mashup of what I was oh, thinking what like you were thinking. It got and real
0: <laughs> creepy over there. It did. Oh, jeez.
1: Oh, dear. Sweet baby Jesus.
0: Tiny bit of setup before we dive into these. Okay, let's hear it. For centuries, mirrors have been objects of fear and superstition. We've told numerous mirror-based stories here. A mirror like a diamond said to absorb energy, especially negative energy. Mirrors also said to sometimes act as portals, and the ability to absorb negative energy to the, uh, you know, combined with the ability to act as a portal, well, now you have uh, a world behind mirrors that could be full of evil, sorrow, and despair. As discussed in a previous episode, there's also a game that stems from a centuries-old ritual where people will sit in front of a mirror by candlelight starting at midnight in order to transfer, transfer all the negative negativity excuse me, in their soul into the mirror. There are even stories of haunted mirrors that possess someone's soul. So many different kinds of stories around mirrors. They all seem to have one thing in common, though. I can't recall a single paranormal story involving mirrors that contains what we would call a friendly or a benign ghost. And you won't hear one of those stories today. Not really. Time now for the Tales of Bad Reflections. We begin down south in Veracruz, Mexico, where a man named Juan purchased a mirror from an antique store. The seller gave him some, sound, some warnings upon purchase that Juan found a little humorous at the time, including that the mirror should be covered at night. The mirror was beautiful, and he had never been overly superstitious, so he laughed off the warnings and took the mirror home. Once home, Juan placed the mirror in his bedroom, admired his reflection for a bit, and then he did decide to cover it up. He didn't really believe there was a need to, but he figured better safe than sorry, at least until he'd had it for a while. The cellar had spooked him a little bit. Good thing that the cellar did. That night, while sleeping, Juan was woken by knocking sounds. Not overly loud at first, but loud enough for him to know that the origin of the sound was inside the house rather than, for example, someone knocking on the front door. The knocking continued. When he woke up, it got a little louder. Soon, he realized it seemed to be coming from the mirror. From inside the mirror. Sitting bolt upright in bed now, he broke out into a cold sweat The knocking continued It was like it was calling out to him He wanted to know who or what was doing the knocking But he thought only an idiot would uncover that mirror now But the knocking continued, it kept getting louder and louder Its strange pull grew stronger Soon he felt compelled to uncover it He rose from his bed and walked over to it as he began to pull the sheet off of it, he felt a fear he had never felt before. It was primal, a feeling of fight or flight, and it was definitely screaming flight, but still he uncovered it. It felt like an out-of-body experience, like he was watching himself uncovered, watching while screaming at himself to stop. Looking back at him from inside the mirror now was his own reflection, Ugh. except not quite him. The reflection wasn't quite mirroring his expression or stance. The other hand looked a bit more relaxed, shared a twisted, smug sort of grin with him. Juan wanted to run, tried to run but he was paralyzed with fear, rooted to the spot he stood, and then he felt something on his arm he looked down and saw a version of his own hand on his arm, felt it pull him towards the mirror, he instinctively grabbed the hand, began struggling with his own reflection this other him, so strong it began to pull him inside the mirror where everything was inverted, made his head spin, consumed by a new, more intense wave of fear, he fought back with all he had, and was able to free himself from the grip the mirror had on him Then he ran as fast as he could downstairs, out the front door, over to his friend's house. After explaining the crazy situation and making his friend think he was either on drugs or seriously mentally ill, his buddy let him crash at his house. The next morning, they both went back to Juan's house and grabbed the mirror, took it to an area lake, a deep lake, smashed it with a hammer, threw the pieces down into the water. And the mirror will hopefully never grab anyone again.
1: Good job, Juan. Way to protect other people.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And that is all for that first little mirror story. For story number two, we head from Mexico to England. Ham House is a beautiful country manor in England, and it's reportedly been haunted by the ghost of Elizabeth Murray, Duchess of Lauderdale, for centuries. She inherited the house from her father way back in 1655. Elizabeth was a ruthless woman, worried only about her standing in society, and it's thought she murdered at least two people in order to raise that standing. Towards the end of her life, she became very ill and ended up confined to the ground floor. And that ground floor is now reportedly plagued with paranormal activity. And it all centers around a large mirror that is said to be home to the soul, and indeed the ghost, of Lady Elizabeth. According to lore, if the lady is displeased, her ghost will leave the mirror and wander around the ground floor causing chaos, always accompanied by the smell of roses. Oh, Several servants in the house over the years have claimed to have experienced this and many now say hello to the lady in the mirror as they enter the room in order to try to keep her appeased. A servant once was cleaning in the mirror room after not saying hello to Lady Elizabeth and she reportedly suddenly saw the lady's malevolent reflection in the mirror as she was about to leave, the smile on her face twisted and evil looking. Consumed with fear, the servant girl ran from the room into a hall where she was overcome by the smell of roses. Then the temperature in the hall dropped and she saw an apparition on the staircase at the end of the hall, a lady dressed in black. The servant girl ran from the building, never to return. Many others have also seen either the lady in black or a face in the mirror in England's ham house. Despite all these sightings, this mirror supposedly still hangs on the wall. Maybe the manor's owners are too scared of what might happen if they try and get rid of it. And that brings my second short mirror tale to a close. One final encounter to share. We return now to North America, to California. The following is a creepy story of a young woman, uh, or that a young woman claimed happened to her while she was visiting family in California seven or eight years ago with her brother. She says the hotel was simply called the Sierra Nevada House. And here is her story. After we checked into the hotel, my brother and I went to the bar for a couple of drinks. Besides us, there wasn't many other people. A couple at the table and a lone man sitting at the bar. We approached the bartender, who seemed friendly enough, and she served us a couple of beers. I noticed afterward that the bartender looked confused and seemed to be eyeing for something around the bar. I asked her what she was looking for, and with a matter-of-fact tone, she responded, Isabella must have moved the salt again. I asked if Isabella was another employee, and the bartender replied that Isabella was the name of a spirit that frequently moved things around in the bar.
1: Oh my god.
0: I'd never seen a ghost before, so I shrugged this off, thinking the bartender was a bit nutty or superstitious. After a couple of beers, I eventually had to use the bathroom, and while walking back, something happened that to this day I cannot quite explain. I paused in the hallway to look at myself in a long mirror, and in the corner of the mirror, there appeared to me to be a woman in a blue dress. I quickly turned around to find that I was the only one standing in the hallway. When I turned back to the mirror, the woman appeared again, only this time completely in black and white. I quickly jumped away from the mirror, looked up and down the hall, and again, no one there. I tried to calm myself down, walk back to the bar where I told my brother what happened. The bartender overheard, chimed in, that it was indeed Isabella who I'd seen. Oh my gosh. She said the spirit was once a member of the kitchen staff who caught her lover in bed with another woman in the hotel many, many years ago. When she confronted him, she ended up being pushed off of the balcony and fell to her death. Ever since, she's been haunting the staff and customers, moving items or appearing in the long mirror as I'd seen her. After the bartender was out of earshot, I convinced my brother that we needed to find a different hotel. Mhm. I now couldn't shake the feeling that someone was watching me, someone I couldn't see, Isabella. He of course called me crazy, but we left nonetheless. I think although he wouldn't say it, he was as happy as I was that we were going somewhere else. A few years after our stay, I guess that hotel burned down. I wonder if Isabella was somehow responsible.
1: I mean, probably. She's not happy.
0: Yeah, angry about what happened to her.
1: Well, oh, boy, I have some things I'd like to say to you. Okay. Okay, um, it sounded like the Upside Down, and they went into the mirror in the first story, when Juan went into the...
0: Oh, everything all inverted and stuff? Yeah. yeah I didn't yeah. think of that, Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I was so happy, I mean, I know I said this, but I'm so happy he got rid of the mirror. Why, wouldn't, yeah. why doesn't everybody do that?
0: Maybe they're afraid of what they'll unleash. We've talked about that before. Mm, but they break it.
1: Maybe, but do we know? It does
0: seem responsible. To try and like destroy it so other people don't get affected. If you truly believe, so. it's malevolent.
1: I think so. Because I mean, I don't know that we've ever, have we ever explored anything? What Do you hear that?
0: It sounds like a big truck. Oh, I was bike. like,
1: I'm like, is one of us breathing heavily into the mic?
0: No. The trash truck smashing that oh. uh, dumpster around. <laughs> <laughs> it did sound scary though. I, I was like, what
1: is happening? It was happening all through your story. Yeah, I right? like I, I thought I like hit the mic. Oh, okay. I don't know if you guys can hear that, but we can hear Probably it in our ears. Not, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't. Have we ever had a story where someone's broken a mirror and it's "quote unquote" released something?
0: Uh, not that I can recall. So actually, I so I
1: don't know why we think that. I True. mean I mean, I get it. Like it was yeah. in a logical sense of like, well, if you smash right, it, if it, something's in
0: something, and you, I, yeah, I yeah. don't know why we
1: think about that either. Yeah. But I think Juan is a genius, <laughs> and then it made me think. Oh, yeah, okay, from now on, any t- if we ever move, yeah. I'm only buying new mirrors for the house. I'm not even taking <laughs> the mirrors from this house and yeah. putting them into another house, because right. who knows, maybe there's something in the mirror already, but it's happy in that house, I don't want to risk it. Okay. New mirrors, always, forever, <laughs> for life.
0: No antique mirrors.
1: N- not even a, like, thrift store mirror, not even a mm. used mirror from a friend, only brand new mirrors. All right. I don't, I don't care if they come from India, America, China—just fucking just brand gotta new. new. Just got to be new. <laughs>
0: uh, I have a few pictures. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, this first one is uh, wow. England's Ham House. Yeah, one of those amazing the 17th-century manors.
1: Holy Hades, as my mom would say.
0: Yeah, no pics uh, of the wow. interior, but man, what a beautiful structure. And the and the land, the, 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 the groundskeeping, the landscaping is yep. amazing in those so English manors. So
1: green. Mm-hmm. So perfect. So precise. Yeah. So, those trees are all cut exactly the same. Yep, those little
0: hedges almost. Yeah, the shrubs.
1: Very finite.
0: Very finite. <laughs> Very finite amount of cutting. Uh, this uh, next one is the Sierra Nevada House Hotel. And that oh, was that from, looks so
1: cute. Mm-hmm,
0: little uh, mountain hotel. But then it is no longer there because it burned down in December of 2015. Oh, and there is a picture of it, you know, as the firefighters are putting out the, uh, you know, have just put out the flames.
1: Yeah. where Where is it in California?
0: I don't Oh, man. Uh, Placerville I believe so, like uh, east of Sacramento. I think it's a, oh. uh, yeah, not
1: Placerville? I don't know that one.
0: Yeah, Placerville is like an old mining town that, you know, like uh, during the uh, mid-19th century when all those gold rushes were happening in California
1: You don't it, say.
0: It was uh, like where the 49ers term comes from. Yeah, and then Placerville, I, I think it's between Sacramento and Reno. I'm, I'm pulling that out of my ass, but I don't think I'm too far off. Coloma? That's what I'm getting on the internet. Paloma, oh, oh, so, Coloma or Coloma. Coloma? C O L O M A is where that hotel was. I wonder yeah. I, I wonder how far you know, out of curiosity I'll, now because it'll stick in my brain, how far is Coloma from Placerville? I gotta I gotta know if I was in the ballpark.
1: Okay, let's hear it.
0: So if you do a, a distance from Coloma to Placerville, California Google should throw up the just because I do that all the time because I'm a maniac. Okay. Uh, give me a sec. So okay. I am just looking at a map, trying to find it. And it's not on um, the map. So yeah, you don't, do oh, ma- you don't have to boy. do a map. You just have to do a Google search and you say, um, Placerville, California to, uh, Kelowna, California distance, and it'll throw it up Ooh. in miles. Well, I, do, I do it all the time on Time Sucks just to f- figure out how far one place is from another. And I, I did that to actually find out in the initial story how far off the coast of South Korea the Jeju Island was.
1: I'm trying to do it on my phone. It's
0: a 17-minute drive. Boom! 9.4 miles. Boom! Boom. If you walk, it takes longer. (laughs) Less than 10 miles, so I was, okay.
1: I am continually amazed at your random geographical knowledge of places that most people have never heard of. (laughs) Why do you know these things? I don't know. What is wrong with you? I don't know. (laughs) Or what is amazing about you? (laughs) I was uh, Marco Poloing with my friend, our friend Liz, this morning, and she... I'm
0: like a not-as-smart, less-helpful rain man
1: yes exactly exactly and she said to me she's like oh i was just listening to i hadn't listened to time suck in a couple of weeks and then i was listening to a new episode she didn't even say which one she goes i mean dan is just his brain is so amazing well i'm
0: not i'm not just regurgitating it from memory to be fair on time suck. Well, she knows that okay yeah no
1: one thinks that you are yeah so that doesn't make you not smart that oh, doesn't that's nice I mean, you still did the research, you mm-hmm. still comprehended it, you took it, you reformatted it and regurgitated it in a way that makes sense to more people. I mean, that's the whole premise of the show. I'm
0: trying to become a robot. Oh. hmm Yeah.
1: Ooh, are we going to do robot sex?
0: Yeah, I'll be the robot.
1: <laughs> Obviously.
0: I, <laughs> I'm trying to turn my brain into a robot brain. Like, okay. You, you know, just uh, process information faster.
1: Oh, okay. Well, you get it. I get it. You're like, a, you're like artificial intelligence. Kind
0: uh, of. When are the implants coming, Elon Musk? Give me an implant. Oh, I, want, Elon. I, want, I want some upgrades. Okay. I want yeah. a little I want those chips put in my head.
1: Wouldn't it be so fun if you like got to go somewhere and like plug yourself in and you got updates? Yeah. I mean, so. I mean, you glitch cool.
0: sometimes, which would suck. Every once in a while, I'd have like a. Honey, I'd, I, I'd, I'd have. I'd have. I'd, I'd have you have to like smack my head. Like, hey, I have a little glitch there for a second. I got to get the new bugs worked
1: out. But you glitch anyway, so I should try. Right. I already Smack me in the back of the head?
0: No, I don't think it works that way when it's just organic. I want to try it. <laughs> you you hate fun.
1: being hit in the back of the head. I really I remember do. One time, very early on in our relationship, I don't mm. know. I was joshing around, we just joshing around. I was just as kids say, joshing day. as Kyler says, and I like whoop yeah, of, back the back of the backside head. head, and you.
0: I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. do your
1: head. Flipped around so fast, like, don't fucking do that. I
0: said, I said, don't yeah, fucking you, do that. You
1: yelled at me. You, I mean, oh, man. I don't think that you could help it. It was such a knee jerk reaction. And then I think you said something about like your dad used to do that or something.
0: Is that what it was? Oh, man. Is this something I should be talking about in therapy? Uh, yeah, you and
1: Debbie need to have a conversation <laughs> about why you don't like to get hit in the back of the head.
0: now I'm trying to remember. I really don't like it. I, know. I need to
1: remember. Yeah. We, huh. every, every person has like a certain thing that yeah. will just send them over the edge. And that mm-hmm. seems to be yours. Yeah. I'll have to keep that in mind i need to bring it out at some point
0: i don't even like the thought of it yeah
1: yeah i know you're having a visceral reaction <laughs> uh do you have a squish squish i do who you got oh yeah i put the red one there because i thought like we were in the holiday season and i wish that we had a green layla mm. why are you looking at her so weird I'm just checking her out yeah oh. whoa did did she you, looks cool I, I, just, she was I, was like... just,
0: I was really thinking about the colors it's a really good color of red or shade of red
1: oh okay well i think that you've used her before haven't i have
0: you? i have but i'm just noticing her in the light more this time how's her sniff Good. She's good. That's mm-hmm. a
1: solid smelling Layla. Mm-hmm. They, hold, okay. they
0: hold their smell for quite some time. It's so, impressive.
1: Do you call her like Rayla, like Red Layla, or like does she have a special name?
0: Because mm-hmm.
1: we have like Layla, Trayla.
0: Rayla. I like Rayla.
1: Yeah, that was a good one.
0: Rayla sounds like a dancer.
1: Okay. Well, now you've taken it somewhere else. <laughs> as you are. What? Do. Just
0: like a ballroom dancer, I meant. Oh. Somebody oh. does like salsa and things and okay. uh, foxtrots and stuff. <laughs> the
1: foxtrot. <laughs> the world's least sexy dance ever, <laughs> the moxtrot. Oh, boy. Okay, okay. Well, for our very first story on the fan side, we are going to go on a little drive, and we're going to explore an abandoned barn. Oh, cool. Yeah, very cool, very bizarre story. Um, growing up where you did, I imagine that you probably didn't do stuff like this. Like, my friends and I would just get in the car and drive. Hmm. We would just go for drives. Like, there was nothing to do. There was nowhere to go. There wasn't a party or whatever, oh, yeah. but you would just drive around yeah, and kind of just like get lost. But
0: We didn't have any cool places to drive.
1: Well, no, because you just lived in a canyon, so you're like, there was no like side streets nope. or neighborhoods to explore or houses to go. Be like, oh, someday I want to live yeah. in that, you know, big house or whatever.
0: No, cruising wasn't really a thing in Riggins. <laughs> just not big enough. You'd seem, it'd be so lame.
1: Did you ever go like cruising, uh, like when you lived in Spokane or L.A. or Vegas? Mm, not really. No. No. Okay that's a foreign yeah. concept well you know I love it
0: yeah and yeah yeah you like a good drive. And I know people do it. Like, I love a generally. Sunday drive I, and I, and I've gone on like drives I, I don't know I guess I never really did do cruising but
1: no. yeah no not really okay not really well during the like the early phase of the pandemic I would convince you to like go for Sunday drives because mm-hmm. there was nothing else to do mm-hmm. it, least- is, it is fun sometimes. I used to go on drives through the Hollywood Hills with my best friend when we lived in L.A.
0: Yeah, that's that's cool uh, scenery.
1: Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, these two fans, uh, <laughs> man, they they really go for it. And I mean, I have to say in all of my drives, I've never gotten out and explored anything. I just stay in my car. Mm-hmm. These, yeah. these kids they took it further. They, they took it too far. Hello there, King Creeper and Queen Peeper. I've been listening to Scared to Death since episode three when it came up on my Spotify you might like suggestion and was immediately smitten with the I try to scare my wife with spooky stories show summary. I've since been absolutely in love with the show and have listened to every episode, including the bonuses, at least once. I've thought about writing in for a while now, but I wasn't really sure how it would be categorized. But after hearing many stories and how varied they are, I decided it didn't really matter that I don't know what happened that night. Mm. That said, in the wise words of Samuel L. Jackson in the (laughs) 1993 smash hit Jurassic Park, hold on to your butts, shit's about to get weird. (laughs) I grew up in rural Oklahoma, and as you might imagine, there wasn't much to do. We had a 24-hour Walmart and an IHOP to visit when we were drunk at 3 a.m. But otherwise, our options were drugs, fucking, or driving. For the most part, I was part of the group that chose driving. My friends and I would drive for hours on end. Sometimes we knew where we were headed, and other times we just got lost intentionally and would then figure out how to get back home. We were also intrigued by the idea of urban exploration. But given that we were halfway to the boondocks as it was, there was really nothing urban to explore. Instead, we settled for old cemeteries and abandoned buildings that we came across on our aimless trips. One friend in particular that was most frequently my driving buddy, we'll call her Steph. Steph and I had a little game we would play. Whenever we got to an intersection, the person in the passenger seat would point which direction they wanted to go, and the driver would follow instructions. We definitely ended up in another state more than once, but that was part of the fun. On one of these trips, we had found our way deep into the heart of BFE with absolutely (laughs) no clue where we were. There were definitely no clearly marked delineations between towns this far out, and this was the age of independent GPS devices, which we did not have with us on this trip. We were getting ready to start figuring out where the hell we were by way of driving towards whatever lights we could see in the distance in hopes of finding a gas station when we saw an old, apparently abandoned barn set way back from the main road. It was clearly not in use, and there were wood panels on the side of the structure beginning to cave in, and the roof was somewhat mangled. It gave the feeling of having been just off the path of a small tornado. Of course, we were immediately excited to explore. It was just past one in the morning, and if we could get a little extra from our trip and have a story to tell, we were definitely going to take that opportunity. We found a small dirt road that appeared to lead straight to the barn, so we turned off and headed down, hoping the little station wagon could handle the rough road. We made it about halfway before the road became too difficult to navigate, and we decided to get out and walk the rest of the way. Being heavy into our goth phase, we were both wearing boots and we had kept flashlights on our keychains for situations just like this, so there really wasn't a question about whether or not we could trek in or not. It looked like a pretty standard barn from the distance that we were at, faded red paint, large doors that had probably been white at some point. One was lying on the ground a small distance away from the barn proper, and the other was clinging to the frame by loose hinges. Steph and I were joking together as we approached something about the barn being haunted by the cattle of days gone by. (laughs) We were maybe 100 yards away when we started to smell it. It definitely smelled like something decaying, but we couldn't figure out quite what it was, if it had been something that had been alive or not, because it smelled kind of sweet. We pulled Mm. up our shirts over our noses and pressed on, because finding a dead animal would be one hell of a story to tell our friends, and maybe we could even get some cool pictures to post Uh, to our MySpace pages to brag about how tough we were for getting so close to something so gnarly. When we got to the barn doors, we were fighting back the urge to vomit. The stench was strong. But we had made it this far, so we had to see what was inside the barn itself. We shone our key light, our keychain flashlights in. They didn't illuminate much, but we were able to tell that the, hay, that the hay loft had collapsed and there looked to be something large and dark lying at the back of the barn, which we assumed must have been what was causing the smell. I moved first, and as soon as I stepped into the barn, this incredibly loud, buzzing sound started up, like someone unpausing a cassette tape. It sounded like being completely surrounded by winged insects, like the sound of a fly passing right by your ear, only thousands of flies constantly swirling around me, each one as loud as a motorcycle engine. I couldn't see anything that would cause the noise, and looking back at Steph, she seemed confused. You don't hear that? I half-shouted at her. "'Hear what?' she responded, barely audible over the noise. I motioned for her to come closer, and as soon as she crossed the threshold, her hands immediately shot up to her ears to block the sound. We had a quick exchange of, "'What the fuck?' before we started shining our flashlights around the barn in search of the source of the smell, and now the sound as well. We were both pointing our beams at the back of the barn when we saw the dark shape begin to move. It looked like it was almost boiling, the way it seemed to ripple.' And then it stood up. The only way I can describe it is that it looked like it was uncoiling. I don't know what it was, but it looked like a bull standing on its hind legs, pitch black, and covered in Mm. flies. It started to move towards us with a huge lumbering step forward. And without any hesitation, we both turned and ran back out of the barn down the road into the car. It felt like an eternity getting out of there. The dirt road was so narrow that it was impossible to turn around, so we had to reverse all the way back to the main road. We were driving towards the closest lights, faster than was safe, and we didn't speak a word until we found a gas station. Neither of us could really communicate about what we saw, so we stopped trying and instead focused on getting back and talking about anything lighthearted we could think of. I stopped going on drives with Steph after that. We still talked, But the communication was pretty stilted and we went longer and longer between conversations until one day, maybe five or six months later, she called me screaming at me that she wanted her apartment key back and that I needed to stop fucking with her because it just wasn't funny. I was desperately confused because I had given her key back almost a year ago when she had given me a spare while she was out of town with her family at the Osage Powwow. I asked her what she was talking about, and she started crying, telling me that she'd been finding dead flies in her windowsills, like a disconcerting amount, and she had never ever had this problem before. I tried to calm her down and offered to come over and help her sage her place, but she declined and said she would talk to her grandfather to see what his suggestion was. I never did hear how it turned out. I moved out of state a couple years later without ever hearing from Steph again. I still don't know what the fuck that thing was or if it was even actually connected to the flies at Steph's place. But I do know that I won't be exploring abandoned places again anytime soon. Calliope. Calliope. Mm-hmm. Cool name. Mm-hmm. Very cool name. Uh,
0: very like strong occult vibes. I
1: think so, too.
0: Come from all that where like they go there and then like maybe bring some kind of energy with them or her friend did. Um, the, yeah, the, the, with like the flies. Oh,
1: I was thinking that like some sort of occult activity happened in that barn. And that's then, what I'm thinking. Oh, I don't think they brought it with them.
0: No, 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 brought it away from them when they left the barn. Like that's why the flies Got show it. up at yes, her place like yes, later. Like yeah, like detached. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that weird, like maybe that bull was sacrificed mm-hmm. or something. And like, But what a creepy, Ugh. creepy thing. Uh, I keep flashing on uh, oh, this movie I finally watched, Army of the Dead, where it's like, yeah, there's this like zombie tiger mm-hmm. and it's just like all rotting and looking around. But it, it oh, is wow. interesting, like where you're. At least I'm used to seeing, like, zombie people mm, or images mm-hmm. of, like, rotten people. But it's weird how um, different it feels when it's, like, a bull. Like, yeah. like if you want – and there's, like, some rotting bull walking around or something. I don't know. That's a – I haven't – I can't think of another story – where that animal comes up in that way. That's interesting.
1: No, and, and it doesn't sound Real like they creepy. know for sure if that's even what it was. Right, just, just what you like, kind of thought in the moment. Yeah, this this moment. The scariest part, honestly, for me, was the sound. Mm. Why, 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 why was the buzzing only in the that, barn? Yeah. Like, how weird is that? Like, if you the, and the I The sound
0: are, wouldn't be contained in a barn. Like, is, yeah, it's not but, a soundproof area.
1: No, and that's not even a thing. Like, if you... Okay, I've been in a soundproof room before, yeah. and if you are standing in the doorway, one person in and one person out, it's right. the the sound is not contained until the door is completely closed. Yeah. So how would it be possible that Calliope is in the barn yeah. hearing this sound and Steph is, like, right, right outside there. the door and yeah. can't hear it until she crosses the threshold? Yeah, that, weird shit. That is so uncomfortable mm-hmm, for mm-hmm, me mm-hmm. because I, I cannot come up with any explanation for why that would happen.
0: Yeah, yeah, me either.
1: And I've also never heard of that happening. So it like really got me.
0: I like that. I like the mystery of that one.
1: Mm-hmm. Where yeah. just a,
0: a couple isolated things that appear to maybe be connected and it's just spooky and creepy. And we don't know why.
1: Yeah. Don't yeah. Know why those
0: things happened. Yeah. What, what started any of that?
1: Yeah. It doesn't really make sense, but it's definitely That's uncomfortable. Yeah.
0: That's what's so fun about this world. It's like, I, I do love just so much mystery about it. You do. Mm hmm. Where mm-hmm. it's like very little of it makes sense.
1: Mm hmm. True, 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 true.
0: Allows for so much wonder.
1: Oh, man. Remember, like, a couple weeks ago we did that... Well, not we, you did that story about brown...
0: Brown, brown Mountain Lights.
1: Brown Mountain Light. Okay. So that, <laughs> yeah, <sorry. laughs> what were you going to say? I was going to say brown uh, I, eyes I, I, and, the, and the lights. No, I was
0: joking about some, the, some, something before the show. And, oh, boy. And uh, my brain went to a different place of with the course. brown stuff. Stay here. Uh, I, I am. brown. Yeah, the Brown Mountain Lights. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what did that, and what did they kind of think that that was?
0: No, no they don't idea. Know. I mean, there's like all kinds of speculation, but a lot of it is like UFO related. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I think I think that's how it was dealt with on uh, X-Files many years ago.
1: Mm-hmm. What if you saw, like, just eyes floating out there? Like, hmm. I often think about, okay, camping or just, like, being, uh, you know, in, like, a cabin that has an outdoor hot tub or, like, yeah. being at our house, like, outside. and Because we don't live too far away from, like, a wooded area. Mm-mm, I mean, we don't butt all. up to mountains or anything, but it's, like, we can... Pretty close. Pretty close. Yeah. But, like, you know, it's interesting to think, like, what... Obviously, there's creatures out there. Yeah, and the glowing deer, eyes thing. But, like, their eyes don't glow. Well,
0: they don't glow, but I will say, animal it is so creepy that way because of any light, like, the light refracting back off of them mm-hmm. it is, gives them a glow-like appearance, which is spooky. Like, when you're driving down, like, a dark highway at night and you got your, you know, especially your high beams on, you, and, and all of a sudden, like, a deer looks your way, mm-hmm. it does look like their eyes glow. Just, like, the light coming, like, reflecting back off their eyes.
1: I don't know that and, I've ever driven down a road and actually encountered a deer in the road how you're like describing off, off the
0: side of the road? Not have... really.
1: I only do like you know, sort of in town here yeah. because the deer are so docile. Yeah. No, and... if it's
0: real dark, or sometimes even in the backyard, our backyard. If mm-hmm. it's like late at night, well, now late at night. If it's four thirty p.m. <laughs> and it's pitch black out.
1: Yeah, welcome to the Pacific Northwest. Uh
0: huh. But if you have like uh, the ports, like the dogs are in the corner. Yeah. Or, or I remember it actually. Better with like the flashlight. I remember. Um,
1: oh yeah. When the
0: power went out. Yeah. We were using flashlights, and I was trying to find the dogs. And if you hit the dogs with a flashlight, and those eyes glow back yeah it's pretty creepy it is
1: pretty creepy when i let the dogs out at night Mm -hmm. i get really uncomfortable because i'm like is that the dog's eyes or is that something else
0: well this story but but, but there's but there could be a different kind of glow yeah it's like i'm not shining the light what the fuck is going on over there
1: well this is like a nice fat long paranormal juicy what's in the woods what are those eyes kind of story i'm settling it get cozy okay Dearest Suckmaster General, Queen of Darkness, and all of bad magic. Hello, and for starters, my fiancé and I are longtime suckers. I'm a huge Scared to Death fan. We both listen fairly religiously and often give the other shit if they're not caught up. Thank you. We love what you do, and please don't stop. Please let me tell you that I have always been in in touch with the paranormal. I love the dark and have never had a bad experience. They've all been benign and usually pretty spoopy. I'm an experienced tarot card reader, and much to my fiancé's chagrin, continue to read when I feel anxious or stressed as it calms me. My fiancé and I got engaged in the middle of the COVID pandemic Mm. after having been together for nearly 10 years. We've been through many major life moments together, including high school graduation, college graduation, medical school, and now his residency. This means we've accumulated friends from all our different stops in life, and with us attending two different high schools and universities and him moving states three times without me. So when it came time to plan our bachelor and bachelorette parties, neither of us was really interested in going out without the other. On top of that, his little brother was a groomsman and he's only 18 and hadn't left for college yet. And my sister just had had my niece in 2020. So to say the least, most of the bridal party wasn't interested in anything traditional and couldn't go away for a very long time. And that was fine with my girls and I. We went on a long girls weekend trip mm. for some light hiking and relaxing. But Jeff wasn't... Oh, we wanted to go on a long girls weekend for hiking and relaxing. But Jeff wasn't interested in anything like that. He told his best friend Dan that all he wanted to get do was to get some of our favorite people to a cabin in the mountains and drink to our heart's content. So they booked a VRBO, called a bunch of friends, and invited all the wives. There were two couples, Jeff and Sarah, Chris and Haley, a single female friend that we've had forever, Kathy and Dan, whose girlfriend decided not to come. We stocked up on liquor, brought a bunch of card games, grabbed those flying in, and hit the road to the mountains in northwestern Georgia. Everything was great. The cabin was awesome, even if the drive gave this Florida girl some serious heebie-jeebies some scary curves and hills that go up yonder. It was three stories with you entering, uh, the cabin was three stories with you entering on the main level, which was full of windows with no shades. The kitchen, dining room, one bedroom, and bathroom were all there. Upstairs were two bedroom bathroom combos, and in the basement was another bedroom bathroom with a lounge area complete with a pool table and bar. There were outdoor decks on all three levels, and the one off the basement included a working hot tub. We had decided to make the downstairs our hub since it had the bar, pool table, and hot tub. What else do a bunch of young whippersnappers like us need? (laughs) That first night, we started drinking pretty early, ate pizza, hung out, and generally just had a good time. At some point, Jeff looked at me and said, Let's go in the hot tub, and I was all for it. It was not late by any means, about 8 p.m. or so, which made the woods surrounding the cabin gray in the evening light. It was peaceful and quiet, but in the way that the woods should have been alive with noise, but, uh, but in the way the woods should be alive with noise, but nothing man-made. We hop up and keep drinking as we get into the hot tub. Everyone's getting along and there's no drama. I find myself staring at the swirling water in the hot tub, which makes me realize I am drunk. No, wait. I'm whatever you are when you're beyond drunk. I've been memorized by the hot tub for who knows how long. Long enough for the woods to go dark. Now, mind you, the only light we have is from the naked bulb on the side of the house, and the hot tub lights don't work, and there's nothing around us to throw any glow. I glance up from the water, it's really something I gotta tell you, and realize that not only is it dark, but the woods have gone silent. Silent. There's literally no sound coming from them. Odd, but maybe we've just been super loud and I haven't noticed. I force myself to tune into whatever the others are saying, which is also sounding like nonsense. Something about getting out and drying off. Pfft, no. I like it here. The water is pretty. So it ends up that Jeff, Dan, and Haley get out and go inside to dry off. This all makes the hot tub much quieter than before. I can now distinctly tell that there is absolutely no sound coming from the woods. I move as quietly as I can, closer to our friends, whispering, Do you hear that? They both look at me, crazy, and in normal, loud, drunk people fashion, they shout, What? Hear what? It's so quiet! At this point, I'm fixing to brush it off as us being super loud, except when I glance around in the woods, I begin to get the chills. The hair on the back of my neck stands up, and I start to feel really creeped out. I grab Chris's arm, and he looks at me like I've lost my mind. Why are your eyes so big, and why are your hands so cold? Let's remember that I'm sitting in a 102-degree hot tub, and it's the middle of summer. There's no way my hands should be cold. At this point, I'm shivering, and Jeff comes back outside to see if we want to come in. I reach out for his hands, and he hisses when I touch him. Babe, your hands are like ice! He's staring at me as though he's seen a ghost. You're shivering. What the heck? He leans over to check the temperature of the hot tub, and I look behind him into the woods, and I swear I saw a pair of bright yellow eyes staring at me. When Jeff stands back up, I just point to that spot and say, eyes. I'm still shivering, my hands are freezing, and I still feel like something is watching us. I've also decided I am completely sober at this point. He <laughs> turns to me and says, I didn't see anything, baby. You're just drunk. I'm prepared to shrug it all off, and my intuition's saying that there is something out there, but hey, maybe he's right. Maybe I just feel sober. Chris and Kathy get out of the hot tub, and Jeff goes inside to grab me a towel. I lean on the edge of the tub that butts up to the railing that leads into the woods, close my eyes, and sigh. It's still so silent in the woods, and I shiver again. The door to the basement opens, and I stretch, opening my eyes, preparing to get out. Staring at me from the woods are several pairs of yellow eyes, unblinking and wide, casting a yellowish green glow green glow on the plants surrounding them. So clearly I can see the leaves are outlined in the dark. I stumbled backwards towards Jeff and nearly slip as I'm still in the hot tub. He hoists me out, wraps me in a towel, and carries me inside, all the while I'm staring over his shoulder muttering about the eyes. When we finally turn in for the evening, it's about 2:30 in the morning, and I still can't hear anything but the silence coming from the woods, and I'm still cold as ice. I don't really get to sleep, and I wind up waking up earlier than everyone else. I go outside onto the deck and for and go onto the deck, and the forest is back to being what it should be, teeming with life, friendly and inviting. I'm sitting up there having my coffee when Chris comes outside and joins me. Couldn't sleep. I asked him, with a small smile, laughing about everything from last night. "'Yeah, I kept dreaming about those big yellow-greenish eyes. I heard someone get up and decided to join you instead of waking up Haley. My blood went cold, and the smile slipped from my face. I didn't tell anyone about the color of the eyes, just that there had been eyes. Chris was just as drunk as I was last night. Maybe it was a group hallucination? I mean, is that even a thing?' I decided to play it cool. Maybe he was joking with me. "'Wow, that's weird.' He nods, and the rest of our day just goes fine, nothing out of the ordinary. I tell myself I was too drunk and vowed not to get nearly as smashed for the next two nights. We spend our day hanging out, playing games, and we go to the local general store for supplies. That night, we head outside to go in the hot tub. I take stock of everything around us. No eyes, and the forest is bright and (laughs) cheerful. We don't stay out nearly as late or get nearly as drunk and end up in bed just shy of midnight. Nothing was amiss. I was relax- It was relaxing as this trip was supposed to be. Our last full day at the cabin is spent much of the same way, hanging out and eating and drinking. We're not very creative. <laughs> this time, when we end up outside, I'm still sober, and once again, the woods are peaceful. We all get comfortable and tell ourselves it's going to be another early night, but somehow it reaches midnight, and I'm not even remotely tired. Jeff, Haley, Kathy, and Dan all head in for the night while Chris and I stay in the hot tub talking about life. He's one of my best friends, and I don't get to see him that often. So every chance I have, I will take, even if it means shorting myself on sleep. We're in the midst of talking about my battle with depression, another tale for another time, when I realize the forest has gone silent once again. I raise my hand in the middle of of his sentence and place my fingers to my lips. He looks at me crazy before he starts looking around, and I can see it dawn on him that it's too quiet. He makes a gesture to say, What the fuck? and I respond with an equally confused gesture of how should I know. I reached out and grabbed his arm, pulling us both to the center of the hot tub as we keep glancing around and not necessarily panic for cautious, but are cautious for sure. I find the spot where I first saw the eyes, and like stepping into AC in the middle of a hot, humid summer, I get goosebumps. (laughs) The creeped out feeling was back with a vengeance, and my hand was still on Chris's arm, turning freezing in an instant. He stared at my hand as though it was burning his skin and reached out for the other hand that was under the water at the moment. Our fingers laced, and he cursed, Holy shit, both of your hands are like ice. I could feel myself beginning to panic, so I dropped my eyes to the water and I said, Get the fuck out. (laughs) He got out first, finding our towels and offering me a hand to get out of the hot hot tub. I wrapped myself up in the terrycloth towel and looked out towards the woods. Big mistake. Huge There were dozens of glowing eyes staring at us from the foliage. Chris was so frozen, and so was I. I felt like we stood there for hours, rooted to the spot, unable to move. The unblinking eyes holding us in place. Suddenly, the door to the basement opened, and it was Haley. It was like it broke our trance, and we both jumped and faced her. She was in her bathing suit, standing in the doorway, staring out at the forest. Chris picked her up and carried her back inside as I shut the door and locked it and pulled the curtains closed. I could hear Haley behind me whispering, Oh, "'Chris, I couldn't sleep, and I I missed everyone, and I was going to come join y'all, but what the fuck was that?' He didn't answer, and I turned to find them both staring at the door we had just come through. I walked over and sat down next to her on the couch, where she reached for my hand and then pulled back, realizing how cold I was. We all looked a bit shell-shocked. Chris trudged over to the bar and poured us several shots, which we drank in earnest before heading up the stairs to the main floor.' As we reached the top, Chris closed the door to the stairwell, closing out the remainder of the light from downstairs in the common area. Haley gasped, the sound echoing in the large expanse of the room. In every one of the windows was a pair of two bright yellow-green eyes, including all of the glass at the end of the hall, from the door leading out to the decks. Chris, Chris rushed us both up the stairs, then proceeded to check both upstairs bedrooms, and we decided that we would just try and sleep. I climbed into bed with Jeff, and he pulled me closer and mumbled, Babe, you're really cold. Is it winter already? I didn't sleep at all that night. I was the first person out of bed once again, and this time Haley joined Chris and I for coffee on the deck. She asked if we were going to talk about this, and I just said no. Don't ask until we're away from this place. I don't want to invite whatever it was to come back home with us. She listened to me, and as we dropped Chris and Haley off at the airport, I got out and hugged them both. As I pulled back from Chris, he stopped and showed me, and showed me, right after where I had grabbed him the previous night, what looked like an ice burn in the perfect shape of my hand on his arm. I stared at him in horror as he covered it up, and they left. The trip was almost two weeks ago now, and we still haven't talked about it. I'm not sure we will. But last night, at about 3.30 in the morning, I got a text in my group chain with Haley and Chris with a Reddit subthread title, Eyes on the Mountain. I haven't read it. I'm too nervous. I got up this morning and my hands were once again freezing. I reached over to turn the alarm off and Jeff asked why in the world was I cold all of a sudden. Our townhouse backs up to protected city land that is very heavily wooded. I refused to look outside, but I will tell you I was scared shitless. Keep up the great work. Stay safe. You beautiful meat sacks. (laughs) All the best wishes. P.S. Shroomed and doomed 200th episode, please. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, like of uh, uh, of scared to death?
1: Yeah, shroomed and doomed. Mm-hmm, from the uh,
0: yeah, the one we did on time suck. Like like she's saying like uh, yeah to do one of those here. Yeah. Oh man, that'd be fun. Uh, shroomed horror stories, exactly. Yeah, that was an interesting connection between like. I mean, who knows what? But like eyes and very very cold, like a very cold body.
1: I know, and I, so I, weird I,
0: that hasn't come up in a story before. Mm-mm. Like like where somebody experienced. Yes, people feel cold all the time. But I can't remember somebody getting that cold, right? Like where other people are not like it's not like a cold um, presence in the air that they're walking through, right? It's the person is cold,
1: right? And everyone around them is like, "Why are you so cold?" Right? And just the You're one sitting person. in a hot tub. It's summer. Like the burn mark on the on the arm, yeah, like freezer
0: burn. Reminds me. This is so random. The freezer burn reminds me of the dog's food. Like like <laughs> when it get, when it gets shipped, but like, that feeling when you grab it, yeah, and it just, it's just so 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 cold. It hurts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, ever since you said cold of ice, cold as ice at one Mm -hmm. point in that story, I've had the Foreigner song. Go ahead. Foreigner. It's as cold, you're as cold as ice. Mm -hmm. I know. Willing to sacrifice our love. Mm.
1: You should start a band. You're really
0: You never take advice. And some say you'll pay the price. I no. I've seen it before. It happens all the time. All right. I can keep going, but I do you feel old. better? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I live with a lunatic, one hundred percent maniac.
0: <laughs> but um yeah. I I just
1: found that story to be so creepy, just so uncomfortable. Like she's in the hot tub with mm-hmm. Chris. I think it was that the names were all changed. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and he, like, he realizes that it's so quiet. The forest, yeah. woods, being quiet. When they get
0: real quiet, it's creepy.
1: It's not. It doesn't feel real. Because I've never, ever, ever been out in the woods where it's been silent.
0: Yeah, there's always something. Mm-hmm. At least, mm-hmm. like, like a breeze or something. Or, I like, mean, a
1: little squirrel or mm-hmm. a little snake. I mean, it, snake or, I mean yeah. there's something moving around. Yeah, there's Birds. quite a few
0: nocturnal creatures uh, in, in the forest for the most part. So that's, yep. when, that's when they do their little hunting and mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, but, yeah, when it's really, really quiet... That is creepy.
1: Yeah. So to like just the combination of like getting mm-hmm. so cold and then seeing eyes out there. And I don't know. The and eyes. The, and at the
0: end, the multiple eyes.
1: I know. Multiple just, sets. Yeah. The For three people to mm-hmm. see. Because if you remember at the beginning of the story, she lays it out that there are so many windows in this house. Mm-hmm. So many. Because I imagine it's like this beautiful cabin out in the woods. So I know. It sounds awesome. You want outside the, outside windows.
0: The, the the hanging out in the hot tub and like with right. some friends having drinks. It sounds pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But then to come inside and mm-hmm. in every single window to see a pair of yellow yeah. eyes,
0: ye- ye. Like, where it's
1: not concentrated in this right. one area, right? Where That's you, very creepy, right? Because then you can like write it off. You're like, ah, I don't know, there must mm-hmm. be like some light from somewhere else. There must be another cabin casting a shadow, and it's just in this one area. When it's around the whole freaking house, the Watchers. Ah. Mm, and yeah. now she's back home, and she's cold and, and, again. And
0: there's woods behind her house, uh-huh. behind her townhouse, yeah.
1: It's time to GTFO, sister.
0: <laughs> you gotta <laughs> oh, move. Oh, man. You
1: gotta move. Mm, you gotta move. Nah, wait I don't think so. What's if the worst that could happen? Listen, the mar- no, it's a seller's market right now. Sell, sell, sell. <laughs> I don't know where you're going to live, but sell, sell, sell. <laughs> uh, Those are good good stories. Good stories. Do you want to do some uh, Annabelle shout-outs?
0: Yeah, do you want me to start? Uh, I can go first. Okay.
1: okay. All right. Well, I guess I'm going first. I would like to thank the following Annabelles for supporting us on Patreon Corey Pollock, Luke Fincher, Destiny Enos, Andrea Breches, Natasha Aviles, Wesley Jackson, Brittany Posey, Celia Gutierrez, Beatrice W., Scottish Rose, James Salter, Kelsey Smith, Heather Haywood, Amy, Amy <laughs> <laughs> Saunders, Zachariah Godwin, Melly H, John Dupnik, Rachel Oliver, Shana McKenney, Laura Pena, Rochelle Steed, Julie Tuchten, Chris is hell. <laughs> okay. Elizabeth Bowen, Ivan Puentes, and Weston Maurer.
0: I think Brittany's last name is pronounced W. W. think.
1: Brit Brittany, W. Virtue what?
0: Brittany W. I'm just being an idiot.
1: Beatrice oh, W.
0: Beatrice. Damn it. Okay, I was, I was like, trying to hang on to it. Well, because right... Beatrice W. <laughs> like two
1: names before that was Brittany Posey. Uh, so I was like, wait, what? Did mm. I mess that up? You suck.
0: Uh, I suck. Uh, I'd like to thank the uh, following Annabelles for their support of our show on Patreon. Bio Mike. Brittany, Phoenix, Alyssa, and Becca Neely. So I got a whole family there. Uh, James Foltz, Nick Oram, Eric Miller, Kristen Thompson, Justin Rawson, Brian Savala, Jamie Hawk, but not the Jamie Hawk that we know uh, from yeah, from back the, in my college days.
1: You have the exact same name as the person who married us is a very good old friend of ours. Yeah.
0: Ron DeBellis, Justice Terrell, Jacqueline Birch, Dylan and Drew, Lindsey Niblett. I like Niblett.
1: I know it's a good like, one.
0: Little Niblett little <laughs> Niblett.
1: <laughs> I'm sure she's heard it all. But
0: <laughs> Niblett party too. Uh Eric Guzman, Kimberly Young, Alex Schrafer, or Sharfer Char- Sharfer Char- Char- There's an Schreff- R in there. Schreffer? Uh Roblin. Is it Roblin or Robin? Robin Pounds or Roblin? You, I've never seen Roblin. I don't. My, mean, maybe an L snuck in there. Maybe it's Robin Lynn. No, you, it's R O B L Y N. Roblin. 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 Okay, Roblin. I apologize. That's uh, you have. A, I, 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 I love the name Roblin. Uh, Denos Davis, Ariel K, Mandy Herwick, Tricia, Al- Tricia Allen, Kenneth R. Garrity. Brandon and, yeah, Brandon and Bree Williams and Josh, Josh, oh man, bossert. I know. A lot My of tongue like, gets all twisted around trying to like go, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you done? I'm done.
1: Okay. And then I have the following spoopy shout outs. We to don't have
0: time today. And that's our show. Thanks. Okay,
1: How on. dare you? <laughs> I don't have anything soft to throw at you. <laughs> okay. To Sarah from Luke, love you. To Brianna from Eddie, love you. Happy belated birthday, to Candace from Ruben. You're the most amazing partner. And also to his brothers and sisters in blue. Oh gosh. In hmm. Texas. Uh you Uvalde? You you've I don't know how to say this town. Yivald? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh th- this is my favorite spoopy shout out possibly ever. Okay. To my Russian cheeseburger from your nice. from your American girl. Happy three months together. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to Cal. Oh, our, an Aussie miner of ours. We love you and we love Australia and it's real.
0: Yes, yes. We know it's real. We know it's real. We're
1: gonna come visit someday.
0: Oh, yes. Hopefully soon. Hopefully sooner than uh, later.
1: Please, yeah. I would love to.
0: hmm And that is our show. Thanks for continuing to send in your personal tales of terror to my story at scared You can email us for everything else. Info at scared Thank you to Logan Keith and Liz Hernandez for their work on social media. To Logan again for running badmagic Thanks to Joe Paisley, producing and directing today, pr- providing mileage stats, Zach Cohen <laughs> for custom soundbed creation, ha- Heather Rylander for organizing the MyStory emails, and to book editor Drew Atana for helping format the listener stories each week. Thanks to producer Sarah Finch for finding all three of the stories for me today. Fun! And enjoy your nightmares, creeps, and peepers. Hope you were scared to death. Bye!
1: If spirits threaten me in this
0: place, Fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through but have no home here within. Scare to death. Add Magic Productions With chocolate treats mixed into dark chocolate ice cream, the Tillamook Chocolate Collection is a chocolate game changer. Because the thing that pairs best with chocolate is more chocolate. Tillamook Chocolate Collection ice cream. Extraordinary dairy.